glittering arms, and when ambition's voice commands to march and fight and fall in foreign lands, I hate that drum's discordant sound, parading round and round and round. To me it talks of ravaged plains and burning towns and ruined swains and mangled limbs and dying groans and widows' tears and orphans' moans and all that misery's hand bestows. To fill the catalogue of human woes. The Battle of Blenheim. It was a summer evening. Old Casper's work was done, and he before his cottage door was sitting in the sun, and by him sported on the green his little grandchild, Wilhelmine. She saw her brother Peterkin roll something large and round, which he beside the rivulet in playing there had found. He came to ask what he had found that was so large and smooth and round. Old Casper took it from the boy, who stood expectant by, and when the old man shook his head, and with a natural sigh, "To some poor fellow's skull," said he, "who fell in the great victory." I find them in the garden, for there's many here about, and often when I go to plough, the ploughshare turns them out. For many thousand men," said he. Was slain in that great victory. Now tell us what 'twas all about, young Peterkin. He cries, and little Wilhelmine looks up with wonder-waiting eyes. Now tell us all about the war and what they fought each other for. It was the English, Casper cried, who put the French to rout. But what they fought each other for, I could not well make out. But everybody said, quoth he, that 'twas a famous victory. My father lived at Blenheim then, yon little stream hard by. They burnt his dwelling to the ground, and he was forced to fly. So with his wife and child he fled, nor had he where to rest his head. With fire and sword the country round was wasted far and wide, and many a childing mother then and newborn baby died. But things like that, you know, must be, at every famous victory. They say it was a shocking sight. After the field was won, for many thousand bodies here lay rotting in the sun. But things like that, you know, must be. After a famous victory, great praise the Duke of Marlborough won, and our good Prince Eugene. It was a very wicked thing," said little Wilhelmine. "Nay, nay, my little girl," quoth he. "It was a famous victory." And everybody praised the duke who this great fight did win. But what good came of it at last? Quoth little Peterkin. Why, that I cannot tell," said he. But it was a famous victory. On reading the account of the Battle of Waterloo. Oh, who can listen with delight to tales of battles won? And who can hear without affright the news of war begun? Oh, when the glory does their hearts inspire, did they reflect what woes some bosom fire? Oh, did their thought fly to the battle plain, and mark the writhing agony and pain, and hear the cries and see the bleeding slain? <laughs> sure, no more their hearts with joy would bound. But shrink in horror from the victory's sound. While through the streets the news of conquest spread, 
each parent listens with consuming dread. Though shouts of triumph breathe from every tongue, some anxious heart with agony has wrung. The meanest soldier sunk to death's repose has caused some breast to feel affliction's throes. How can they bear each joyful shout to hear, which still renews remembrances so dear? O oh, long may battle's terrors cease, be war and vengeance fled, that Europe, wrapped in lasting peace, may rest her laurelled head. From Child Harold's Pilgrimage There was a sound of revelry by night, and Belgium's capital had gathered then her beauty and her chivalry, and bright the lamp shone o'er fair women and brave men, a thousand hearts beat happily. And when music arose with its voluptuous swell, soft eyes looked love to eyes which spake again, and all went merry as a marriage bell. But hush, hark, a deep sound strikes like a rising knell. Did you not hear it? No, t'was but the wind, or the car rattling o'er the stony street. On with the dance, let joy be unconfined. No sleep till morn when youth and pleasure meet to chase the glowing hours with flying feet. But hark, that heavy sound breaks in once more, as if the clouds its echo would repeat, and nearer, clearer, deadlier than before. Arm, arm it is, it is the cannon's opening roar. Within a windowed niche of that high hall sat Brunswick's fated chieftain. He did hear that sound the first amidst the festival, and caught its tone with death's prophetic ear. And when they smiled because he deemed it near, his heart more truly knew that peal too well, which stretched his father on a bloody bier, and roused the vengeance blood alone could quell. He rushed into the field, and foremost fighting, fell. Ah, then and there was hurrying to and fro, and gathering tears and tremblings of distress, and cheeks all pale, which but an hour ago blushed at the praise of their own loveliness. And there were sudden partings, such as pressed the life from out young hearts, and choking sighs which ne'er might be repeated. Who could guess if evermore should meet those mutual eyes, since upon night so sweet such awful morn could rise? And there was mounting in hot haste, the steed, the mustering squadron and the clattering car went pouring forward with impetuous speed, and swiftly forming in the ranks of war, and the deep thunder peal upon peal, afar and near, the beat of the alarming drum roused up the soldier ere the morning star, while thronged the citizens with terror dumb, or whispering with white lips, the foe, they come, they come. Before Waterloo, the last night, and night, and muffled creakings, and the wheels of the artillery wagon circling with the clock, Blücher's Prussian army passing the estate. The man plays the harpsichord, and lifts his eyes, playing each air by ear to look at her. He might be looking in a mirror for himself, a mirror filled with his young face, the sorrow his music made seductive and beautiful. Suddenly everything is over. Instead, wearily by an open window, she stands and clasps the helpless thumping of her heart. No sound. 
Outside a fresh morning wind has risen, and strangely foreign on the mirror table leans his black shako with its white death's head. Couplet Come, cheer up, my lads, tis a glory we steer, as the soldier remarked, whose post lay in the rear. The Charge of the Light Brigade Half a league, half a league, half a league onward. All in the valley of death rode the six hundred. Forward, the light brigade, charge for the guns, he said. Into the valley of death rode the six hundred. Forward, the light brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. Theirs not to make reply, theirs not to reason why. Theirs but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them. Cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them, volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, boldly they rode and well, into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell, rode the six hundred. Flashed all their sabres bare, flashed as they turned in air, sabring the gunners there, charging an army while all the world wondered. Plunged in the battery smoke, right through the line they broke, Cossack and Russian reeled from the sabre stroke, shattered and sundered. Then they rode back, but not. Not the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon behind them volleyed and thundered, stormed at with shot and shell, while horse and hero fell. They that had fought so well came through the jaws of death, back from the mouth of hell, all that was left of them, left of six hundred. When can their glory fade? Oh, the wild charge they made! All the world wondered. Honour the charge they made. Honour the light brigade.